Thanks, Father Aaron. Um, I do love being here. I asked to come here, right? I volunteered. I said, after his accident, I said, can I help you out? Can I come and preach? So um, anyway, it's great to be here. Um, So October 2nd, Saturday night of this year, was a very stressful day in my life. Uh, It was the yearly rivalry between the men's soccer teams, between North Park University and Wheaton College. Anybody go to Wheaton here? Okay, anybody go to North Park here? Okay, we got a few North Parkers. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you, North Park won two to one. Woo! Yeah, but anyway, that's not the point of my story. So um, anyway, um, it's always a, a really personal rivalry. It's an intense rivalry. It's been going on for decades between these two schools. And it's very personal to me because my son, Wes, plays on the team. And uh, Wes is the starting goalie for North Park. And in his career versus Wheaton, he has been 0-4 losing twice in PKs, another one in a heartbreak. They've all been heartbreaking losses, and so this is his senior year. This is his last chance to beat Wheaton. And uh, I remember during the game sitting on that cold metal bench at North Park, and um, I was a nervous wreck, you know. I mean, I get really involved in these games, as Wes can tell you. Um, I was a nervous wreck, and uh, at one point it looked like North Park was completely in control of the game, and then Wheaton came storming back, and then with about 10 minutes left, I literally, I put my hands, my, my head in my hands, and I, I thought, I cannot watch this. I cannot watch, because this is not going to end well. There is a Wheaton curse on North Park, and they're going to come back, and they're going to tie this game, and they're going to win this game. So I just cannot watch it, and I just kept thinking, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. It's never ended well. It's not going to end well. Now, <clears throat> I imagine... Today, let's, let's imagine this imaginary scenario. Before the game starts, two minutes before the game starts, the Lord Jesus himself comes, and he sits beside me on those cold metal bench before the game starts. And I say, Lord, what are you doing here? Are you here to root for North Park? And the Lord Jesus says, I don't do that, although this really is the beautiful game. But the Lord Jesus, then he says, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns in this game. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs. There's going to be points when it seems really bleak, but I just want you to know it's going to end well. That's all you need to know. It's going to end well. And then he's gone. Now, there's still so much I don't know, but I imagine how would that change how I actually experienced the game? How would that change how I watched it? Well, I imagine... I could ride out the ups and downs a lot better. I could not get completely stressed out when things seemed to be falling apart. I could not get so nervous when it looked like things were not going to end well. I could could have treated the Wheaton fans better. (laughs) I could not have yelled at the referee when there was a clear yellow card, you know, and I'd yell, why is that not a yellow card? I mean, I could have relaxed. You see, when you know the story is going to end well, despite despite the fact that you don't know all the details, when you know it's going to end well, you can live well in the present. So now what if you could know not just a soccer game, a sports event, but what if you could know your life is going to end well? What if you could know, if you had some authoritative source that told you the world is going to end well? 
The story of the broken nations of the world is going to end well. There's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be points when it looks really bleak and really dark and really hopeless and really scary, but it's going to end well. What if you could know that? How would you live differently? I think we would live very differently. Well, the passage that you saw beautifully read and acted out in, from Revelation is an authoritative source that tells us it's going to end well. The story of the world, the story of your life, it can end well, better than you ever imagined. Still going to be hard, but it's going to end well. There'll still be ups and downs, but it's going to end well. And this beautiful future can start entering into your life now. Not just when you die and go to heaven. Now, I want to invite you to turn in your bulletin to page uh, 9, because I, I want to walk through this and just sort of slow down and go through some of these images that the Apostle John gives us in the power of the Holy Spirit and which the church has preserved for us and said that this is the word of the Lord for us today. And just to note that this is the last chapter in the last book of the Bible. And sometimes people, you know, maybe you've experienced this, you try to read the Bible, it's really confusing, it doesn't seem like it's a story, it just seems like it's a bunch of random things and laws and events and or maybe it's two different stories. You got the story of the Old Testament, and then you got the better story of the New Testament. And no, no, it's one story. And because it's one story, it has an ending. And here is the ending it's going to end well. And this passage just sort of overwhelms us with images with a throne, and with a river, and with a tree, and with leaves. And... But most of all, it's picturing for us. As Father Aaron said, a city. Heaven is going to be like a city. And if you're like me, when I first read that, I thought, does that mean it's going to be like Chicago? No offense, you know? I love Chicago. I live in Aurora, but I tell people, yeah, I'm from Chicago, you know, I'm from the Chicago area. Chicago's a great city. It's beautiful, it's glorious. See the skyline at night. The life of the city, the jazz, the blues, you know, the people running by the lake. But it's a fallen city. It's a flawed city. The political corruption that this city has in its history. The speed traps. <laughs> the parking tickets. I hate you, Chicago. I love you, Chicago. It's like that, right? Drive into the parking lot this morning. It was a beautiful school. There's these signs, these washed out signs all over the place. Have you seen them? Do not feed the pigeons. Municipal code section 728-701. Up to $500 fine. City of Chicago. So I'm sure that there's a reason for those rules and laws. But it was just kind of a bummer pulling into the parking lot and seeing that I couldn't feed the pigeons, you know? <laughs> Is heaven going to be like Chicago? Well, yes, in a way, but in a big way, no. 
And this passage gives us a picture of the heavenly city. And let me tell you four, four images that really strike me in this. Number one, it's going to be a well-led city. You see, a city depends on the health of the leadership. If the leaders have integrity, if they have honesty, if they really care about the oppressed and the weak as members of the city, the city can flourish. It can be vital. This city, notice two times it tells us in verse 1, it says that this, this flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And then in verse 3, it talks about this again. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. What does that mean? Well, a throne symbolizes who's in charge. This is, this is who's in charge. This is who's leading this thing. And everything flows from this throne. Everything good in this city flows from the throne. So what does it mean, God and of the Lamb? Well, for Christians, that's a hint of the Trinity, God, Jesus. The Lamb is Jesus in the book of Revelation. Jesus is called the Lamb. And he's not just the Lamb, he's the Lamb who was slain. So here's this weird thing. The throne, power, authority, in control, in charge. And the lamb, vulnerable, the lamb who was slain, who laid down his life for you. It's a weird juxtaposition, uh, it's easy for you to say, a weird um, thing, two things that exist at the same time, okay? You know what I mean? It's weird. They shouldn't go together. There's a word for that, okay? So he's saying they go together. In heaven, authority and the lamb who was slain, who laid down his life for you. You know, neither Donald or Hillary are going to die for your sins, okay? This is a city where there is no oppression. There's no manipulation. It's a city where the ruler lives and leads by sacrificial love. That's the first thing. Second thing, it's beautiful. There's a river. It's bright as crystal. There's no pollution. There's nobody dumping toxic waste in this thing. It's bright as crystal. And there's a tree of life. And notice this tree of life has 12 kinds of fruit, and it bears fruit every month. Now, I love spring when the apple trees in my neighbor's backyard start to bloom. It's like, and the, and the crab apple trees, and it's like, what if a tree, those trees, those fruit trees, bloomed and blossomed and bore fruit every month. This is, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And it's also beautiful because of the people who are there. There are people that were told from all the nations. So in the chapter before this, it says that the wealth and the glory of the nations will come streaming into this city, this city of God. The glory of Cambodia, the glory of China, the glory of Sweden, the glory of Mexico, the glory, glory of Peru. It will come streaming in there. The best things of all the cultures of the earth will be in this city. It's beautiful. It's also, it's a healing place. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the trees have medicinal powers. Your wounds and your sorrows from this life can find permanent healing. 
You know the line, maybe you quoted this at some point, Sam in Lord of the Rings, he says, will all our sad stories come untrue? You got to think about that a little bit because it's said a little different, but will all our sad stories come untrue? Will all our sad stories be healed? And the answer here in Revelation 22 is yes, they will. But not just our sad stories, the healing of the nations, the healing of all the nations of the earth. You know, two years ago, I was in Cambodia, uh, a country that in 1975 to 1979 was led by a madman dictator named Pol Pot, who orchestrated the murder of three million of his own people. And we walked through um, the notorious prison called Tool Slang, which was a former school like this, you know, which was turned into a prison called S21 for short. 14,000 inmates who were forced to confess to crimes they didn't commit, and then they were killed anyway. Only 14 people survived. We walked around. They still have the places, the beds, the, the, the places of torture, the places where they confessed. They still, it's just all there. They haven't really changed anything. And you walk through it, and you just feel, what a wound for a nation. They haven't gotten over it. They won't get over it for, they'll probably never get over it as a country. But here, the healing, the trees were for the healing of the nations. Imagine what it would be for somebody from Cambodia to sit by that tree. Healing of the nations. The fourth thing is, it's a productive city. Notice verse 5. The end, it, ends, it says, they will reign forever and ever. You know, when you see a, a cartoon in like a, a magazine or like the New Yorker or something like that, and it's heaven, it's always like, Two middle-aged white guys sitting on a cloud strumming a harp with, like, nothing to do. And they're, like, bored out of their minds, you know? I don't know. Maybe you haven't seen pictures like that, but that's sort of what I, my picture of heaven. And here it is. It's a productive city. You're in heaven. You're going to reign. You're going to be like a king. You're going to be like a queen. You're going to be like a, a CEO. Or you're going to be like a CFO. Or you're going to be... You're going to be over something, and you're going to reign under the Lamb, under God and the Lamb, under his throne, under his authority. You're going to be given work to do. So this well-led city, this beautiful city, this healing place, this productive city, see what this last chapter in the last book of the Bible is trying to tell us is that, will you, will you look at this? Can you, will you look at this? It's like, it's like a crowbar. <laughs> trying to open up our hearts, crack our hearts wide open. Would you let this in? Would you receive this? And let me just say, like, just by your own admission, admission this morning, if you're, if you're not a Christian, I would say, would you consider this? This is part of what it means to live in front of the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's a source to this, though, it's not that just God just, just sprinkles this everywhere. There's a source. There's a flow to this. It flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So if you want to open your heart to that throne of God and of the Lamb, that's where it starts from. That's where it flows into your life. Would you consider that this morning? See, heaven tells us, or this passage tells us that heaven is going to be more beautiful, more interesting, more challenging, more loving, more joyful, more healing, more productive than we ever imagined. 
You know, the best things in life, think about the best things in life that, you, that we all experience. The best meals, the, the best stories, the best novels, the best films, um, the best human relationships. On earth, we say, I don't want this to end. And it always does. But in heaven, we'll say, I want this to go on forever. And it will. What a difference. So my question is, what if you could know, well, we do know, what if you believed that it could end really well? How would you live differently? What kind of courage and hope and daring would you live with if you knew that it ended well? How would you deal with suffering and pain and disappointment and heartache differently if you really believed that it's going to end well? I was outside Joss, Nigeria a couple years ago visiting with... Uh, Benjamin and Mama Gloria Kwashi. He's the Archbishop for the Diocese of Joss. And that area is up in the upper northeast corner, and they've experienced horrific um, attacks by Boko Haram, bombings, tribal warfare, which has also resulted in a lot of deaths. In the midst of that, Mama Gloria was attacked, brutally attacked, by extremists in that area. And you wonder, how did somebody respond to that? Well, here's how they responded. They responded by taking 60 children that were orphans and adopting them and making this place called Zimbiri House. And we were there, and we went to a little prayer service with them, and then we had a barbecue with all the kids and with all the workers there, and then we played soccer for hours, and the sun was setting, and it was beautiful. And I would imagine Archbishop Kwashi and Mama Gloria saying, why, why did we do this? Why did we do this? Because we know it's going to end well. We know this isn't the last word. We know that evil and sorrow and heartache and injustice and oppression don't have the last word. So we can live differently now as we await the glory of heaven. Now let me be clear. It doesn't promise that it ends well in this life. It doesn't promise that all wounds will be healed in this life. Some wounds won't be healed. Some questions won't be answered. Some problems won't be solved. Some heartaches won't be healed. Some relationships won't be mended. And that's why we need this bigger story of heaven. The bigger story that changes everything. And because it's true, it propels us to start living differently now. Because it ends well, because Jesus has told us on his authority, through his death and resurrection, through his coming again, because it ends well, we can radically love people, even our enemies. Because it ends well, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done now. Because it ends well, we share the good news with others because we want them to know it. Because it ends well, we fight for justice where there is injustice and oppression. Because there is a throne 
of God and the Lamb where there is no oppression or injustice. We fight against oppression. Because it ends well, we approach work differently. Because God has made us to be productive for eternity. Because it ends well, we hold our money and possessions lightly. Because it ends well and we live in this glorious city, we want to build and bless the city here that we live in. You see how Jesus' future breaks in now. And I was thinking about what's a practical thing I can tell you to do to make heaven a reality. I was thinking about that. What, how can I do that, you know? And I thought, you already have it. Jesus has already given it to us, those who believe in him. It's called the Lord's Supper. It's called the Eucharist. It's this kind of past event that comes racing into the present, and then it's this future event that comes racing back to us. It's both. Jesus said, remember this, celebrate this until I come again. Every time we celebrate the Eucharist, participate in the Lord's Supper, we're opening our hearts up, not only to what he did in the past, but what he's going to do in the future. So in this last chapter in the last book of the Bible, the Apostle John, the authority of the Holy Spirit and the risen Christ, he's trying to tell us, will you look at this? Can you see it? Will you lift up your head? Will you long for it? Can it crack your heart open? Can it break into your life now, into your wounds and your sorrows and your fears and your dreams and your hopes? Lift up your head. Believe that it will end well. Jesus says, it will end well. Amen.